Section 49 of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Thomas Peter. The World Story, Volume 10. England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 49. The Latest English Revolution. 1911. From the Outlook In 1906, the Liberals came into power. This party is opposed to continuing the special privileges which place political power in the hands of powerful families and classes. In 1911, it brought about what had been called the Bloodless Revolution, that is, the taking from the House of Lords of the power to veto a bill passed in three successive sessions by the House of Commons. The Editor What has really happened is that the House of Lords can no longer interpose a veto to the will of the people, as expressed by the House of Commons, although, in order to make effective any expression of that will in opposition to the wish of the peers, the House of Commons must pass any measure three separate times, covering a period of not less than two years, which seems to be far enough from permitting the government majority to exercise a snap judgment as the result of sudden popular excitement. The thing that impressed the spectator as most significant during the nearly three weeks which intervened between the formal announcement of the Prime Minister that the royal prerogative would be invoked if needful, and the passage of the Parliament Bill by a majority of seventeen in the House of Lords, was that the people of England did not seem to care a rap about the real revolution that was going on. No one on the streets was talking about it. There were no gatherings to discuss it, except here and there a conference between peers of varying views. The tram-cars, the barber-shops, the hotel-lobbies, the smoking-rooms were as phlegmatic and uninterested as though the matter of mending or ending had been settled long before, as in effect it had been, at the last two popular elections, when excitement had not been wanting. The people had decided, and having commissioned their elected rulers to act for them, they had gone about their business of farming and trading with a confidence entirely calm, and perhaps a little grim that the work would be efficiently accomplished. The humour of the closing drama was supplied by the bluff and venerable Lord Halsbury, who, at the age of more than fourscore years, flung his gauntlet into the arena, called about him a hundred peers who declined to follow the prudent counsel of the Unionist leader, Lord Lansdowne, and announced that, as for himself and his followers, they would never yield even if the House of Lords were swamped by five hundred newly created liberal peers and its ancient conservative prestige abolished forever. These fighting lords came to be known as the diehards, and sometimes as the ditchers, from their desire to occupy the last ditch in their demise, while the peers who followed Lord Lansdowne in recognizing in advance their defeat and proposed to abstain from voting on the final division were called hedgers, the real tragedy of the event seems to have been the disappointment of the five hundred liberal candidates for the peerage, who had, it is understood, been carefully chosen, and of course were at least tacitly pledged to the liberal programme. For so large a number of ambitious men, with equally ambitious wives and daughters, to get so near that height of privilege, and have their aspirations dashed to earth, implies an aggregate of disappointment that cannot be contemplated without a shudder. End of section 49. This recording is in the public domain.